my definition of wealth, honestly, is to be able to look back every single day and say, hell yeah, I left it all out on the field. Welcome to the Clear Choices Podcast. I'm your host, Rob Eigner, and it is my unique privilege to bring you intriguing conversations with people who have made the bold choices necessary to elevate their lives and create a positive impact on the world. By hearing their stories, I hope you walk away more motivated and more inspired to do the same in your life. Because we all have choices to make. My goal is to help inspire you to make more conscious and powerful choices, clear choices. Now let's get started. Hello and welcome to Clear Choices. Rob Eigner here. We have another phenomenal guest this week. So much to learn from this individual. His name is Matt Aitchison, and he is a millennial entrepreneur, a seven-figure real estate investor, speaker, and avid adventurist. Most importantly, he's a proud husband and father of two beautiful girls who make his life a whole lot richer. However, in his early years, he wasn't doing much to make this current vision a reality. His poor choices led him to being expelled from high school, but he became determined to make sure his past didn't equal his future. So he course corrected and made some necessary changes to get back on track. But after heading to college, he hit another rough patch of self-inflicted turbulence that he is now actually forever grateful for. He found himself in jail facing felony charges. He overcame those charges and committed to doing the extraordinary on a daily basis and decided that entrepreneurship would be his vehicle of choice to unlock, unlock the life he had always dreamed of. So let's fast forward to today. Matt has started several six and seven figure businesses. He's traveling the world, works with some of the brightest minds on the planet. And most importantly, he has the freedom to spend his time any way he chooses. Along this exciting journey, Matt has learned many things about life, including his own definition of wealth. Welcome to the show, Matt. Brother, thank you for having me, man. That was, that was great. Not too bad for a for a rookie podcaster, not like you, how many episodes have you done of your podcast? Oh man, I'm probably over 300 episodes in. 300. Okay, so this is like number 10 for me. See, it's dude, 310, same difference. <laughs> <laughs> so but I ended on that line on purpose, including your definition of wealth. So what is Matt's definition of wealth? My definition of wealth you know, there's the the cliche, be able to do what you want, when you want, with who you want, right? But my definition of wealth, honestly, is to be able to look back every single day and say, hell yeah, I left it all out on the field. And that to me is more important than what I accumulate in that day. It is knowing that I am thoroughly putting everything that I have into every single day, whether that's a relationship, a meeting, a phone call that I take, a lunch you know, that I get to have with somebody, the time that I get playing Barbies with my daughters, the kiss that I get to give my wife, that I look back every single day and say, hell yeah, I left it all out on the field that day. To me, that's being rich. Oh, I love that. So honest answer to a direct question, what percentage of your days do you feel like you can honestly say that that's the case? 50%, 50%, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of days where 
and I've built in over time through, you know, repetition and routines and habits and a lot of split testing and a lot of what works and what doesn't work and the evolution of that intentional approach I take to every single day to try and find out the most optimized version of Matt to show up and look back and be able to say that I did that. But of course, I'm a human being just like everybody else. So I have my shitty days and I have my days that I am, you know, feeling down or depressed uh, or frustrated or angry. And I don't necessarily show up in the areas of my life in the way that I know I am capable of. However, by building in certain things like having habit trackers and planners and accountability partners and, you know, things like that in my world, my awareness is a lot more enhanced to at least give me the chance to choose to show up in those moments when I'm feeling that way in the best light or version that I can of myself. So I think if anything, it's it's not being perfect. It's just knowing when you're out of alignment with who you ultimately want to be and who you are working on becoming that gives me the chance to make the next right choice in trying to become that person or do what I believe will get me closer to that. First of all, I love everything you said, and I really appreciate your honesty. I Frankly, I was expecting you to say like, oh, you know, 90% of the time, just because I know you, you know, with how dynamic you are with your podcast, and uh, which we'll get into, and how dynamic you are as a business person, and how much you care and, you know, love adventure and travel and your family and all these things. I appreciate you being honest about that number because... I think it's really easy for people to look at someone like you and go, man, that guy's got it all. And you're good looking. I'm looking at you right now. You're, <laughs> you're handsome. And I, I find it like I'm going to have to walk into the room ahead of you if we're ever somewhere together. But, uh, you know, you, you've got all these great things going on. And I, I really appreciate you being, you know, forthright around that. So what are some of your hacks to get out of those 50% days where you're not given your full self? Yeah. You know, I think honestly, a lot of it is, again, just building in what I call the awareness triggers into my life of kind of knowing when I am in or out of alignment with that. So for example, number one is one of the tools that I have uh, and I use obsessively in my life, not necessarily because my personality loves it, but it's because I'm committed to the outcome that it gives me, which is really enhanced awareness. And that is my, my, my planner. So I have a, a planner that I created, the Rich Life Planner. And now we sell it you know, all over the world, which is pretty cool. When it really just started from a mutual friend of ours, David Osborne. And this might have been the first time you and I even met was mm-hmm. in Steamboat at Osborne's house. That's well. It was you, Parker, right? I, was th- that- I thought maybe we met at uh, Lake Tahoe. Maybe the, the, fir- the first Lake Tahoe. But either way, it was some ski resort. Yeah, something like that. Right? <laughs> and um, and I remember, you know, looking at all of the people in the room who had really a, a high level of success financially, but also had a lot of success as being great husbands, great fathers, great with their health, living very intentionally, right? And every single one of them kept going back to their planners and their goals and the habits. And so I created this planner that essentially was a, you know, kind of a mixture of a bunch of people's approaches to what they do to keep them in an optimized state mentally, physically, spiritually, emotionally. And I kind of over the course of a couple of years after that just started creating this planner. And 
now every single day, I mean, I have my habit tracker. So I have my evening and my morning routine and I have certain things that I know over time through a lot of testing gets me in an optimized state to show up as the best version of myself and a lot of those, you know, things that come at me on a daily basis. So, so, so what are some of those things? On my morning and evening routines? Yeah. So my, let, let's just say for my morning routine, I do really six key things in the morning. I have my green drink when I wake up, just kind of put my body in an optimized state. I write out my power list, which is really my top five things of the day. So I'm very clear on what I'm going to be attacking each and every day. I do an audiobook or I read or listen to a podcast. I meditate right when I get into the office. I write in my journal right after that. I send out five gratitude texts to people that maybe I haven't talked to in a while or to my wife or to family or friends or whoever it is just to send out some love. I do my affirmations and then I I check in with my accountability partner once those habits are done. And I know when I do that more times than not, I'm going to lead into my day in a pretty good state. So first of all, awesome. Second of all, I'm sure a lot of people listening are going like, wow, that's a lot of stuff. What time does this guy get up? So how long does that whole thing from green drink to gratitude texts, how long does that take? So I wake up at four o'clock every single day and the green drink and kind of like my home morning routine happens within, I'm in and out of my house in 20, 30 minutes in the morning. Mm-hmm. I'm in the office no later than 5.45, 6 a.m. every day. And that's when I do audiobook on the way in my commute on the car, car ride in. Then once I get in, I immediately meditate. Right after that, I journal. And meditation, if you type in YouTube five-minute meditation, I do a bunch of different ones. There's a million of them. There's a million of them out there, right? So I do something like that every single morning. I journal for about five to 10 minutes right after that. It takes me five minutes to send out gratitude texts. I say my affirmations for maybe five minutes, if that, which there's a really cool app. Um, It is called think up and you can actually put all of your affirmations in there and then record them and it puts kind of a cool background music to it and it just adds another emotional state to it so i do I that, that. It takes maybe two to five minutes on that and i'm within i'm done with my morning routine within 30 to 45 minutes and you could really condense it down even more than that because you got to do the commute anyway so the commute is almost subtracted because yep that's you got to drive to work no matter what yep so i do i do that to circle back and answer your question, right? It's that's something that I know gives me enhanced awareness around how I'm showing up, how I'm feeling, you know, what kind of energy am I putting out there? Um, the other thing is, is I am very overly communicative in the sense of I create opportunity and space for people to give me feedback. I invite the feedback into my life. I invite the accountability into my life. And of course, you know, it's giving people permission to call me out or to acknowledge things that are going good or not so good based on how I present I want to be showing up in those situations. So I'm constantly creating accountability in my life when it comes to showing up in the right way. And then, you know, for example, in the context of the relationship with my wife. So one of those things was, hey, how do I continue to be a better husband to my wife, but more intentional, more loving, more empathetic, more caring? And um, those are things that I actually struggle with sometimes being that I'm, you know, being pulled in a million different directions and I got a lot of stuff going on. And 
you know, I never wanted to be somebody that said those individuals, my wife, my kids were my top priority and that was not portrayed in my actions on a daily basis. And so one of the things that we started doing is we called it our relationship recharge where every Sunday my wife and I sit down for about 30 minutes and we ask each other three questions. What did I do well this week? What could I do better next week? And what do you have coming up that I can support you in? Nice. And so those three things give me consistent feedback on how I'm showing up in my life as a husband in that particular context. I also do this with my employees and my, my direct reports when I meet with them on a weekly basis to one, give them their feedback to optimize themselves and continue to grow and expand because that's one thing that we believe in our core values of our company. At the same time, I can't just be the messenger. I got to live my message at the same time. So I'm constantly giving them space and you know, creating that room to receive feedback and how I can become a better leader and continue to grow in that context as well. I can really relate to that. One of the things I do with my family of four is uh, once a week, we, when we're sitting around, usually a Sunday dinner, and we just do this thing called circle of love Mm. where each person goes, okay, here's something I appreciate about you, brother. Here's what I appreciate about you, mom. Here's what I appreciate about you, dad. And then here's something I'm proud of. And then, and then all four of us do it going around the circle. So everyone has to give three positive comments to the other family members and then a self-reflective positive comment. So it's just like a, you know, circle of love. Like that's why it's called Dude, a circle that's of loving right there. Man. That's I, some heavy duty love. But so, I, I love that. I, I love that because I don't think enough of us, we all have the best of intentions, right? Like nobody goes out into the world and says, I want to be a shitty human being, or I want to be an asshole today, or I'm going to be, there might be a few, there There may, okay. I I digress on that. There are (laughs) definitely a few there, but the majority of people have the best of intentions with their actions and what they're doing. Right. And it's funny. I heard somebody else say this the other day. They said, we often judge ourselves based on our intentions and judge others on their actions. And instead, we should judge ourselves on our actions and other people's intentions. Yeah, I've heard that. That's a great one. And so for me, that's one thing that I try and do on a daily basis is not only lead with the right intention, but back it up with the right action. So I'm going to do a full pivot here. Pivot. So I want to talk a little bit about you know where you were when you were a teenager and a, a college student. Mm-hmm. So give us this, the real top line Here's what got me kicked out of school. Here's what put me in jail. Well, what got me kicked out of school, if I'm taking extreme accountability for it, was my ego. Um, It was my ego that put me in the wrong situations. It was my ego that really empowered me to take the wrong actions. It was my ego that didn't give me the discernment to decide who I was spending my time with and allowing to influence my life. So that's kind of the root of all of it. But going back to when I was expelled from high school, uh, it was really the people that I was surrounding myself with. And, you know, I've always believed that, and I really am a product of this, where you hang around nine other people that are smoking weed, drinking alcohol every weekend, getting in fights, you're probably going to become the 10th person. And I was. That's mm-hmm. what got me expelled from high school. It was fighting and drinking and whatever. Fighting and drinking and you know all kinds of BS, right? Just not being a good person. And mind you, I come from great parents that have always you know empowered me to 
continue down a path of success. And I always told people I wanted to be successful. I wanted to be a millionaire. I wanted to make this much impact in the world. And yet my audio and what I was really coming out of my mouth did not match my video and the actions that were playing out of my life. Mm-hmm. And the real accountability came when I got caught. And there were many other times I probably should have got caught too, but it was just this one time that I got caught. I got expelled from high school. And what, what exactly did you do? What was the specific thing you got caught for? It was, it was assault. It was assault. It, it was a fight. Um, okay. and then, but, and then in college, when you got arrested, was it the same thing? Same exact thing. Alcohol and drug induced felony assault and battery. And I remember that time I was an adult and I was facing a felony charge with time behind it. And I just remember praying to God. I kind of came out of my blackout in the holding cell. And I remember looking around and I looked to my left and there's this big burly biker dude with the handlebar mustache. And he's probably like six, six. And he's just kind of chuckling, looking at, you know, this stupid little white kid, you know, who's coming out of an alcohol coma basically. And then I look to my right and there's this gang member with tattoos all over his face. And I look around in the other cells and I was like, holy shit, where, what am, what am I doing with my life? Like it was right. a, a real wake up call. And I just remember praying to God saying, if you give me a second chance, I will not waste it. I will not waste this second chance. And I will walk the path to finding the highest and best use of myself while on this earth, wherever you want that to be. And was that your last time in that kind of trouble? 100%. I, it's funny. I had somebody asking me this question the other day. Um, because somebody was like a random person was actually trying to pick a fight with me and I, you know, diffused it, walked away and they're like, man, when's the last time you were in a fight? And I was like, honestly, it was 2009. I know the exact date when I was, you know, in trouble and I've never been in a physical altercation since because when you hit rock bottom like that, you never want to go back to that. Yeah. If you have a, if you have the ability to choose that you don't. Yeah, And we do, right? You talk about clear choices and making the right choices. And at the end of the day, when it came to learning what the right and the wrong choice was in that particular context, mind you, I'm learning the right choices in all these other contexts of being a dad and a husband. And, and you knew in that moment, you, it, was, it was clear. 100%. Which I, way to go. Let me share some stats with you. I want to see how this resonates with you. And, and the random quote, not random, the quote that I selected for you, you're going to, based on what you just said, you're going to, I think you're going to be kind of blown away what I ended up picking. So here's some stats. 80% of juveniles commit some sort of crime, but they don't get caught. Mm. Currently, there's 80,000 youth incarcerated at any given time, which has dropped significantly since the 90s and the early 2000s when you were incarcerated, that number, I believe, was up towards a half a million in the 90s. Of those incarcerated juveniles we're talking about, 50% or more never graduate high school. And then the last stat, and I just want your feedback on all of these collectively, 75%, this one's probably the most poignant for you, 75% of those juveniles who do get locked up will get locked up again as an adult. Mm-hmm. So when you hear those stats and, and realize that you, you know, avoided, escaped, you know, made a different choice and put yourself in the position that you're in now, which is an enviable one, how do those stats land on you? It doesn't surprise me whatsoever. I mean, to be completely honest, um, you know, I think that if you are willing to 
and, and this is something that I'd always been told by people around me, but I've always believed that if you are coachable and you pair that with discipline and you ha- you really couple that with a you know a grit and a desire to go in the direction that you want to go in in your life yep growth is going to be inevitable and and mind you right think about that in terms of you can be coachable and have discipline hustling drugs on the street oh yeah right and so it, it all depends on where you push that energy and what resonates with you the other thing that for me i think what i realized being around a lot of the people that I, you know, grew up with and still love and have a lot of respect for, but, you know, engage with a lot differently in my life now is they didn't have leadership in their life. And I was fortunate enough when I was going through rock bottom to have people lend their belief in me when I didn't have it in myself. I was fortunate enough to have leaders in my life to show me what I couldn't see was possible for myself. Because when you're in, you know, let's just say, in jail or the youth or, you know, whatever it may be, one programming plays a big part of this. So unless you are intelligent enough or equipped with resources and tools and friends and environment to unpack that programming and rewire it with something new, you're, you're, you're stuck and left to your own devices, which is very hard thing to do alone. Very hard thing to do alone. The other piece of that was, you know, having people around me that really gave me tools and belief in myself at a time that I didn't to just keep pushing in the right direction. Not even knowing necessarily what that direction was, but knowing that it was in the opposite direction that I was, you know, moving in. So So I just really believe the environment and the people you surround yourself with as cliche as it sounds. And as many people talk about your network is your net worth, birds of a feather flock together it's cliched because it's the truth and the people who understand it because they've experienced it at the highest level and are aware enough to pinpoint that is a big reason as to why I am who I am today. They, you know, they give so much value and credibility to that. And I know that with the people that I stopped hanging around with and the people that I started surrounding myself with made a significant impact in the way I one started to untangle the programming in my mind and to rewire it with something new. Well, you're going to, I almost feel like I shouldn't even read my quote at this point because you've basically said it in like 15 different ways. And so you can verify for the audience that this is not premeditated. So here's a quote I selected for you. One of the most crucial but hardest things to do as part of turning your life around is to get rid of all the negative people around you and replace them with people who encourage you instead. Mm. It, man, that is, I kind of looked at it like, you know, an analogy would be like turning around a cruise ship, right? Those cruise ships are so freaking big. And when they turn around in the, you know, in the harbor, it's not very fast. It's not very easy. It definitely takes a good amount of time. It actually takes a lot of people involved in that process, mm-hmm. but that's how it starts. And they're committed to the process because it has to get done. And so for me, I just knew that, you know, if I was going to go where I was going to go, I really had to start with my peer group and editing my peer group and editing my environment because we do grow into the conversations around us. We do grow into the environments around us. 
And if I was going to get different results than I was getting at that time in my life, I knew I had to shift and do something different. So for me, it was looking at my peer group and actually auditing my peer group. And what I literally did was I took a piece of paper, I drew a line down the center of it and I put a plus and a multiplication sign on the left side and I put a subtraction and a division sign on the right side. And I started going down and listing all of the people that I felt were multipliers and positive in my life, lifted me up, inspired me, challenged me in a good way. And then I listed all the people that were really negative energy vampires, kind of, you know, bad influences, gossipers, all of those things, right? And my list was just full of negative people on my life. Not that they were necessarily horrible and bad people, but they didn't add a lot of value. Well, and they just weren't congruent and aligned with the life that I was looking to achieve. Mm Mm-hmm. And so I think one thing that a lot of people struggle with is like most of those people oftentimes are moms and dads and husbands and wives and And best friends. You can't control that as easily. That's a hard thing for people to do. And yet some people would say this is harsh or ruthless, but I was more committed to the life and the outcome that I knew I was capable of living and achieving than allowing those people to convince me to justify that kind of behavior in my life settle to settle and 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 i remember gary vanderchuk whether you like him or you don't like him there was one video that resonated with me a long time ago and somebody was came up to him and said hey you know my dad is the most negative person in the world and he tells me that i can't do this and blah 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 and i just really defeats me and da 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 he went on for on for on and he said you know what do you recommend i do and gary vanderchuk just straight up said to him he's like you need to cut your dad out of your life and he's right. like look i'm not saying that that's easy right? Like getting rid of your best friends who are the negative gossipers or invite you over to just drink beer and watch sports and waste seven hours every single weekend. That's not going to be easy. But if you want the truth and the real answer as to cutting that out of your life and what you could fill it with, well, there's your answer. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes the answers that we seek are not always the easiest to execute on but they are the answer. And so I had to be real with myself and say, am I more aligned with allowing those people and making those people feel valid and, you know, staying attached to them? Or am I more aligned with the life and the goals and the dreams that I have for myself? And I chose myself. I love that. So, so you're obviously you're someone who not only has surrounded yourself with some empowering and powerful people, but you've also been someone who has sought out mentors in your life. Talk to the audience a little bit about how you've gone about that because a lot of people I think out there go, yeah, I'd love to have a mentor on this, that, or the other, but maybe they can't afford a coach or they don't know how to go about it or they don't know how to ask someone they admire or aspire to be like in terms of like, hey, how can I get these people into my life? So talk to us about that. Well, for me, it has, you know, this word of mentorship. I've had a lot of mentors in my life from my mom and my dad in certain contexts to sports coaches, to teachers, to, you know, first business mentors. And so, you know, there is a method to the madness. I personally believe mentorship is one of the greatest life and business hacks that we have available to us now in the 21st century that a lot of people aren't intentionally taking advantage of. And a mentor isn't just going to pop into your life and be like, hey, I want to help you. That's rare. Not saying it can't happen, but somebody who's going to go out of their way, who's really successful and see something in you randomly that you haven't displayed to them intentionally, it's going to be a long shot, right? But there are ways of being very strategic in 
getting around those individuals and displaying and adding value to them and to their life that they see themselves in you going, I want to help that person. Some of the most successful, wealthiest you know, people I know in the world will take the time to add value to somebody that wants to take action on what they're looking for in that value. And so being able to shorten your learning curve, being able to accelerate the results you get, being able to avoid mistakes that you would figure out, you know, by feeling your way forward or would take years or be able to tap into networks that you would never have access to, right? Mentorship is the greatest life and business hack. So I want to preface that. For me, one of the things that I've heard over and over and over again from a lot of people who have chosen to mentor me is, Maddie, you're just a likable guy and I want to see you win. And I was like, well, that doesn't really give me an answer that I can share with a lot of people. Like, what does that mean? And so I started asking more questions on, well, why do you think I'm likable, right? And there were a handful of responses that came back. And I think everybody can be a little bit more likable if they're intentional about it. And really, likability is being confident, not cocky, right? Being confident enough with having that humility. So confidence plus humility, staying humble, but always looking to grow, always looking to add value. Confidence plus humility plus value makes people like you. They just say, hey, I like being around you because you're confident in how you show up, but you're also very humble and you're always asking questions and you're always trying to find ways to learn, but you're also always seeking for ways to add value to the conversation or to the experience. And I've realized the people that I'm surrounded by that I like to mentor and that I like to give value back to are the people that I'm like, man, that person is just likable. I don't know what it is about them. But when I kind of started digging into that equation, Likeability plays a big part in people wanting to mentor you. The other part is just action, right? And David Osborne, one of our mutual friends, he said this to me, he said, I'll mentor you, but it, mentorship to me is like a game of checkers. I move, then you move. Then I move, then you move. There is no I move and I move and I move again and you ask and I move again. And no, game doesn't work that way, right? So a lot of people are what we call the ask holes where they want to ask a lot of questions, but they don't want to do anything with the information that they are gathering. And that's a very quick way to see a very positive and impactful and lucrative relationship that could change your entire life go away in a heartbeat. So I'm just very intentional about one, making sure that, you know, I add value to all the people around me. And my my first business mentor, I worked for that person for 10 months for free. And I can tell you that that 10 months that I didn't get paid a dime, I made multiple seven figures with the value and information I learned from that person in real estate investing and flipping houses over the last nine, 10 years of my real estate investing career. So don't underestimate the value someone can give you. It's not going to be that silver bullet, right? It's learning something, you know, and being very consistent with how you take it and implement it into your life. And, you know, big things always start small. And just like amazing mentorship and relationships, they all start small too. And so I have a very consistent follow-up approach of how I stay involved in those people's worlds and make myself relevant, right? Because just like any relationship, if I didn't talk to my wife for a year, 
and I didn't engage with her for a year, how's that relationship going to look? It's not going to be as good as if I were to reach out to her physically, emotionally, spiritually, and connect with her on a daily and a weekly and a monthly and a quarterly and an annual basis. So honestly, I have that same approach to my mentors where I have my board of directors and all the different categories of my life, the top three people that I want to plug into and push into and add value to, and I have a follow-up campaign for that. I text them once a week, I call them once a month, and I try and get into proximity in person with them once or twice a quarter. Those are how I approach building strong strategic relationships with mentors, and I can tell you it has worked magnificently and it has completely transformed me as a human being, transformed my business, transformed my family's life. Mentorship has been hands down the greatest thing that has ever happened to me. So one of the things I wanted to ask you, Matt, was as you're describing all these mindsets and approaches you have to, for example, being likable or adding value to a mentor, et cetera, it's literally formulaic. Like you literally have a formula of like, it's one part this, two parts that, whatever equals this. So does that get challenging for you? Is it intuitive or is it challenging for you to kind of like monitor all these things? Because it sounds like you're tracking a lot, multiple businesses, lots of different goals and dreams, mentors, lots of touch plans, lots of, there's just a lot of things going on. So how are you tracking all this? In the world of my relationships, it's just database management. And that's something that I take ownership of, at least in my top 100 list. But the rest of the database is just, you know, managed accordingly with my team in the office. And I think when you, when something is important enough to you, it gets the necessary attention until it becomes habitual to you. So to a lot of people, it might seem like, oh man, like for example, my planner and my habit tracker, a lot of people are like, oh my gosh, you have to check all these boxes every single day? Yes and no, not anymore technically because I do it in my sleep now. It's just a part of my operating engine. It's just- it's just become part of your- Yeah, it's just what I do. So I think it's just like, you know, Malcolm Gladwell's 10,000 hours time on task. Well, eventually you're going to do it so many times that it, it's just what you do. It's just who you become. And so for me, it's always- based on what it is that I really am trying to accomplish. And it's kind of like that next ceiling that's hanging over my head, whether it's a goal with finances or it's a relationship or whatever it may be. My goal is always to become the person to where the habits and the disciplines that go with breaking through that ceiling and making that a floor are done consistently enough to where what was once a stretch now is just my normality. The floor keeps rising. Yep. So Matt, how old are you? 31. 31. I mean, you, you are a wise sage. I'll tell you, you, uh, you know, I'm 20 plus years older than you. And I'm like, I got to take notes. I'm going to take notes when I, when I broadcast this podcast for sure. So thank you so much for the value you're bringing. One of the things that we haven't even touched on yet, you know, we've touched about your past. We've touched about some of your choices, some of the support mechanisms. We haven't even touched on what it is you're doing aside from living a wealthy life in the way you define it and being a great dad and husband. So talk to us a little bit about your businesses. What do you do? Yeah. So a majority of my wealth has been generated or continues to grow in the real estate space. So I'm a real estate investor, you know, flipped a couple hundred houses over the last few years. I'm a partner in a construction company. I have online education for people that want to learn how to do real estate investing. We do consulting and coaching in a group setting and kind of a high ticket one-on-one coaching setting as well. 
for people that are looking to kind of scale their real estate investment portfolio or business from that six to seven figure level. But um, that obviously has, you know, team and employees behind it and things like that. So most of my time is really spent in my passion right now, which is still going after I'm a deal junkie, negotiating deals, taking down deals. So I've been working on a vineyard in Napa Valley for almost six months now of working on taking that down. I just bought a hotel up in Lake Tahoe and we've been working through that. So continuing to buy, you know, wealth building and passive income generating assets is something that really has unlocked the freedom for me to go do what I really love doing, which is the podcast, which is the coaching and mentorship, which is adding value to people's lives and just having as much fun in the process as I can, dude. Yeah, I love that. So um, is there a point, and you don't have to share a number if you, unless you want to, but is there a point where you're like, hey, I've built enough wealth or I've built enough passive income where I don't want to or need to take on more deal chasing and you're just like, hey, I'm, I'm going to spend all my time on the podcast and on my family and on adventure, etc. Yeah. You know, I think for me, I just have embraced who I am now knowing and doing a lot of self-exploration over the, you know, the last decade, I would say, you know, so and I know I have, you know, that'll be a never ending journey. But for me, I know that I love the art of the deal. And I love negotiating and I love building relationships and I love solving problems and finding that win-win. So I personally, as long as I can hold this thing, a pen in my hand uh, and sign contracts, I think I'll always be doing deals because- Because you enjoy it. You actually, besides the money and et cetera, like you're, it's not even necessarily about building more wealth and more income at some point. It's more like I actually enjoy crafting that stuff. Yeah. I mean, I, I truly do love it. So I don't think I will stop with that. Right. I mean, you know, and wherever that decides to take me from a wealth standpoint, I'm not really attached to it, to be completely honest. You know, I used to have like the goals of I want to be a billionaire. Well, why did I want to be a billionaire? If I am a billionaire, great. If I'm not, so what? I think now just being in a space where the vehicle of real estate has given me the freedom to go do what I really love doing. Cause people always ask me like, do you love real estate? And I'm like, well, I love it because it's the thing that got me to my thing. And so I think for a lot of people, they're, they're seeking their thing that can get them to their thing. And if you can make the thing that you are unlocking wealth with, that happens to be your passion and they, those two things intersect, oh man, that's, that's phenomenal. That's really exciting. But that's not the case for everybody. So you do have to have a strategic wealth plan that takes care of you know, the ABCs and the basics of making sure that income is more than expenses, that you do have the freedom to eventually, if you want to, step away and you still have mailbox money coming in, which is why I love real estate. I mean, you can do that obviously in equities and stocks and all that kind of stuff as well, um, or investing in other people's businesses. But I just got lucky kind of falling into real estate. But I will always continue to want to seek and grow my wealth for the purpose of I know that there are really two people. There are people that, you know, and I've always believed this money makes you more of who you already are. So there's a lot of people that have a lot of money and they are greedy and their intention is to truly use money for their own selfish needs. And then there's a lot of other people that are doing things and adding value in the world that really does give them a bigger platform to make a much bigger impact with their money on their family, on their community, on the world in general. And that's the people that I align with and that I want to be, you know, looked at 
as you know, when all is said and done, I can look back in the rear view mirror and say, damn, that was a hell of a ride. I made some great money, but most importantly, I used my money to one, leave a legacy for my family and two, make a big difference in people's lives. And the more money I have, the more I have an opportunity to do that, which is ultimately what continues to drive me to want to chase and go and build more wealth. Love that. Wow. You are, you are El Fuego on fire. Fuego, <laughs> on <baby>. fire. You're <laughs> on fire. Now I love your, I love your passion and your energy and your outlook. And, and truly I mean this, uh, in, in just nothing but a complimentary way that, you know, for someone as young as you, you know, you've just, you've experienced a lot, you've gained a lot of wisdom, you have a lot to share and offer. And, uh, really, I, I'm sure our audience is just getting a ton out of this. Let me ask you in a, in a final parting shot, you know, we've talked a lot about, some of the choices you've made good and good and bad, some of the things you've learned, some of your hacks and tools. Is there any kind of process you want to share with us about how you go about making important decisions, whether those are about relationships or businesses or something else? Oh yeah. It's very simple for me. Um, so every year I do something that's called the rich life clarity contract. And this is something that I created for my community out of just necessity for myself, which was, what is my definition of a rich life? Because everybody's got a different definition. For some people, maybe living out of their VW van and surfing you know, the, the coast every single day. Some people, it's making a million a year. Some people, it's you know, doing mission trips across. Like Rich and wealthy is something different for every single person. So for me, I was on this journey of exploring what does it really mean to me? Because I accumulated some wealth along the way and I said, okay, this is great, but I don't feel any different. I still got a lot of work that I need to do on myself and I really want to continue to explore what this looks like. So I had basically this, you know, it's like a hundred questions that I created in all the different pillars or gardens or whatever you want to call them of life and asked myself these questions of what do I want it to look like in five years? And so by getting clear on what those answers are to those questions, every single year, I reforecast a little bit my five-year vision. And so every goal that I set from an annual basis, from a quarterly basis, from a weekly basis, from a daily basis, my decision-making is, does this align and get me one step closer to my five-year vision or not? Because if And if it's not in alignment, then- It's very easy for me to say no to. So I've gotten ruthless with the graceful no and just, you know, honoring people's asks for appointments or meetings or being involved in this opportunity or that opportunity. And as an entrepreneur, you know, shiny object syndrome is the real struggle, right? And so for me, it has really helped me narrow down what is my North Star that I am pushing to. And by having clarity in that, which a lot of people don't, you say, hey, you know, what are your goals in five years? Most people say, uh, I want to make more money or I want more freedom. Or, but that's not specific. Like I, I am very crystal clear and specific about what I am doing in all those pillars of my life. And I, I look at that thing every single day and I read it every single day and every decision I make. Again, it's not, I'm not 100%. I'm 50-50 a lot of the time. Some days I- But it's got to be in alignment. I know exactly what it is that I'm moving towards. And if it is in alignment, it gets a yes. And if it's not in alignment, it gets a no. Well, I can't tell you how glad I am you said yes to be on the show. You're in alignment, brother. Uh, you, are, you are in alignment too. And, uh, and as you said uh, about how you like to provide for your mentors, you brought a lot of value to us today. I appreciate that. And I just can't tell you how much I appreciate you. Oh, dude. It's an honor, man. Thanks for being here. 
It was an honor. You've been a, a big uh, mentor and friend in my life, Rob, since we met, you know, five, six years ago. And so, you know, I'm always happy to be here, adding value to your community. And I love what you're up to, man. I appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks for being here. And thank you for listening to another episode of Clear Choices. Stay tuned for the next episode next week. Take care. Thank you so much for joining us. If you've been inspired and motivated by what you heard today, please subscribe to the show so you don't miss an episode. Post it on social media, invite friends, and let me know if you have any potential guests. While you're there, leave us a review. We'd love to connect with you as well, so check out our Facebook page by searching Clear Choices. I'm available for speaking engagements, and you can find more information by visiting our website at clearchoices.live. And all this can be found in our show notes. Join us next week for more inspiring stories that can help us all make clear choices. Thanks for listening.